I kind of want one of those pulpits where the smoke arises and I kind of come up. Wouldn't that be cool? Good morning, Crosspoint. Welcome. Good morning or afternoon or evening for those who are going to be listening to the podcast. It's kind of neat that we have that technology today. Someone, when they came in this morning, says, hey, I've been listening to you on the way. I guess they missed last week, right? So they wanted to be caught up. And in a way, that kind of fits because today's message kind of ties into last week's message. Uh, If you recall, it was called Delayed by Design. Now today, we're talking about how God builds faith. One of the reasons God may delay your dream or your vision or your preferred future is because you're not ready for it. Your faith isn't strong enough to handle it. And so we saw some delays last week in the life of the children of Israel. We're going to look at other people who were delayed today. But you need to understand there are like six phases to build faith. Jesus said, look on the screen, in Matthew 9.29, According to His faith or your faith, your faith it will be done unto you. Mark 9.23 All things are possible to him that what? Believes. God says, you get to choose how much I bless your life. It's it's your job to believe and it's my job to bless. You believe, I will bless. How many of you want stronger faith this morning? I know I do, but here's the deal. Faith is kind of like a muscle. It must be exercised. A muscle is developed through what? use. Now, how does God build faith? There is sort of this predictable six-fold pattern, and you'll see it again and again and again in Scripture. And if you understand this pattern, then you'll learn to cooperate with God's plan. If you don't understand it, you're going to get very, very frustrated. You're going to get tired. You're going to get burned out. You're going to pull your hair out. You're going to want to quit. But let's look at this pattern this morning of how God builds faith. Number one, it starts with a dream. It starts with a vision. It starts with, um, and God often will use your giftedness or an area that He thinks you can develop. It may be a weakness. Now in Moses' case, his weakness was impatience. And Moses became Well, the Bible says the meekest man on earth, one of the most patient men on the planet, the most patient man, because he had like two and a half to three million crybabies out in the desert. Well, God will develop you. He will grow you. He had a preferred future for Moses, but Moses needed some prep time. And God used the wilderness to help him along with the children of Israel. And we'll be developing that. We touched on that last week. But it always starts with a dream. God gave Noah a dream of what? Building an ark. Abraham, a dream of becoming the father of a great nation. Joseph, a dream of becoming a great leader. David, the dream of becoming a king. He was the youngest in his family, the runt in the family. As a matter of fact, when Samuel the prophet said, bring your sons to me, I'm going to anoint one of them king today before we sit down to eat, they didn't even invite David. And when God said, it's none of these, but Samuel's looking, they all look kingly to me. Why not? 
Remember, God said, remember, don't look at the outside. Don't look at their appearance. See, God looks on the heart. And he says to Jesse, Jesse, is there another? You have another son? Well, yeah, but he's just the runt of the family. He's just a little shepherd boy. He's out tending the sheep. The lowliest job in the family. He said, well, go get him. David comes in, and he's anointed king as just a young, young lad. Nehemiah had a dream. God placed on his heart the dream of rebuilding the wall around the city of Jerusalem. Well, how do you know when a dream is from God or just sort of from yourself? Have you ever kind of wondered about that? Well, we get some insight from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. You get that? See, if your dream is not so big that you would never dream of even doing it, then it's probably not from God, it's probably from you. But if it is so huge, if it's so out of your control, if it's so over the top, that's probably God talking to you or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, and hopes. A dream from God always requires huge, huge faith. I mean, if you can see it, then why do you need faith? Faith is something that you can't see. God calls things that are not as though they what? Are. That's real faith. It's so big that you can't do it on your own, no matter how hard you try. If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need any faith. And so it starts with a dream. Number two, it moves on to a decision. God gives you a dream. God gives you a passion. God places something on your heart, and, and then you've got to decide to go for it or not. Because usually when God does that, you start saying, whoa, really? Me? Be a preacher? If you'd have known me in high school, as my classmates did, and if they were to say, take a little test, who do you think in the graduating class of 1973 from Paramount High School will become a preacher? My name would have been somewhere near the bottom. Maybe not the bottom. I knew a few other guys, but no one would have thought of me. I would not have thought of me. My wife would not have thought of me, who's now my wife. She was my girlfriend back then. But you know, God in the back of my mind kind of placed something there. I'm thinking my older brother was going to be the preacher. He ended up becoming a very successful businessman. God had other plans for him. Lucky pup. (laughs) But you know what? Our treasures are not here on earth. Where are they? Stored up in heaven. And so I kind of get this dream. I kind of get this idea that maybe that's the direction I go. But I had to make a decision to do it. And at some point in my life, I decided, you know what? I think I am going to go to college, but I'm not going to major. I kind of wanted to be a fireman, you know, but those ladders are pretty high and... Then I kind of wanted to, you know, maybe work for my brother. And, you know, that was a possibility. I mean, he's successful. Things are going good there. And that's a possibility. But then I thought, you know what? Let's let's just just test this dream out. And so I stepped out in faith and I made a decision. 
Go to Bible college. God has placed a dream on your heart. If you're not sure, you still have to make a decision to move forward. Take a baby step, if you will. I wasn't sold out on the idea at that point. But at some point, God just kept opening doors. You must put the dream into action. James James chapter 1, 6 and 8. We studied this when we were going through the book this past year. It says, you must believe and not what? Doubt. See, faith is a verb. Faith shows action. You must invest your time. You must invest your energy, your money, your reputation at times. But then you've got to let go of some things. Not only must you invest in some things, you've got to let go of some things. <clears throat> like security. I, I remember the, I came home from a, a break week in college to ask my wife to marry me. I mean, we'd known we were going to get married for a long time, but it was time to ask Dad. And, you know, got to get Dad's permission, Mom and Dad. And we set, we, you know, we set a date. We went out and talked to her parents. And the first thing after I asked Jane's father, would it be okay if I married your daughter? I need your blessing. I need your permission. And he goes, well, you know, you're going to preacher school, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, you know, preachers don't make a lot of money. And I go, Great. <laughs> That was the encouragement I got from my father-in-law. And you know, my father-in-law has become a big supporter. He tells all of his friends, my, my son-in-law is a preacher. That's what he tells them. But you've got to step out in faith. And yeah, you've got to let go of some things, some security things. You cannot move forward in faith and hold on to your past. Abraham had to leave the security of his home in Haran, where things were familiar, where he had a nice little nest egg built up. And God says, leave your home and go to a land that I will show you. But God, why can't I just do it here? Well, there's a bunch of idol worshipers in your family, and this is a land filled with idols. I want to start a fresh thing. Yeah, but Lord, this is why can't I work with these people? I can, I can train these people. I can show these people the right way. No, no, no. We're going to start something new. And so just head out of town. Okay, well, which direction do I go? Just, just go, and I'll lead you. Well, how, how long will it take? Just don't worry about that. Just go. Well, how will I know when I get there? I mean, don't we ask those questions? We'd ask God 50 questions before we said yes. Because we want to be what? Secure! Abraham, just go. And guess what he does? He gets up and he does it. No security other than God. Nehemiah had a secure job. He he not only had a secure job, he had a great job. You know who he worked for? The king himself. He was cupbearer to the king. Man, he he had a great job, great position. He was highly favored. He... um, Had a great pension, retirement plan. And you know what God laid on his heart? My wall, my city, the city's pride. Back in Jerusalem, he hears a report that it was still in disrepair. The gates were burned and the people were in reproach. And that just broke his heart. See, the temple had been rebuilt. Cyrus the Great had let them out of captivity, let them go back, rebuild their temple, rebuild their homes. 
But the city's walls, the city's pride, if you were going to be a viable nation, you needed a fortified city, a fortified capital. And that thing lay in ruins for 140 years until Nehemiah was called by God. But he had to leave the security. As a matter of fact, he goes before the king and he says, King, God laid this on my heart. And I'm going to need some things. I'm going to need some of your soldiers to get me there safely. I'm going to need letters to the governors in the land. I'm going to need timber. I'm going to need letters for the keeper of the king's forest. You know, I'm going to need a bunch of supplies. And would you help pay for it? And the king goes, okay. A pagan king paying for God's people to have a wall built. Is that a God thing? That never would have happened had he not decided to choose to go. And be God's vessel to accomplish something that was impossible. See, it's not until we move out in faith that God starts opening the doors. It's kind of like, you know what I'm talking about. You ever been to the circus? And I love the trapeze artists, don't you? You know, they'll stand over here on this, this side and way over there on the other side there's another platform. And then they, he's got this bar and then they swing another bar from that side. And there's like this 10-foot gap between this bar and that bar. And you've got to fly through the air to get to that bar if you want to make it to the other side. And you grip onto that bar. And you time it just right. And then you push off. And at just the right moment, you've got to let go of this bar. And there's a split second in time, a moment in time when you're hanging on to literally what? Nothing. No security. And I remember back in the day, they, a lot of these guys did it without the safety net. And they'd grab the next bar, and they'd swing to the other side, and the band would strike up, and everyone would go, oh, you could breathe a sigh of relief. Right? But if he, if he hung on to this bar and never let go, he never would have made it to the other side. Well, that's kind of the way it is with God. God is calling some things for you to do. God has given you a purpose. He's given you a ministry that's based on your God-given shape. And He's given you a mission. But you've got to let go sometimes of the security if you're going to accomplish what God has called you to to do. You must decide to let go of the past in order to move forward. Number three, there is a delay. A delay. God will not fulfill your dream immediately. How long did it take Israel before they left to get out of Egypt and make it into the promised land? Forty years. Wow. Wow. You know what they must have thought. Why the delay? Now, remember, I told you this message kind of ties into last week. Last week, we called the message Delayed by Design. As a matter of fact, uh, God didn't give them the shortcut. They could have got to Egypt in about three weeks. Pretty easy if they went along the coast. But there were Philistines along the coastline. Philistines were trained warriors. God's people weren't trained yet. They would have gotten slaughtered, they would have been fearful, and they would have wanted to go back to Egypt. So they needed to develop some faith, they needed to develop some strength, they needed to understand that God was with them. Habakkuk 2 puts it like this, 
But these things, he's talking about another dream, another vision, if you will. But these things I plan won't happen right away. But I like the consistency here. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be, not may be, but will be fulfilled. In phase three, you start asking the when question. When is this going to take place? See, we as Americans hate to wait. We really do. We don't like waiting at all. It's so irritating when we are in a hurry and God isn't. You know, we think we're ready when we're not. But God makes us wait. God wants to work on you before God works on your dream. Every believer has to go through the university of learning to wait. Have you been to this university? Some of you are saying, are you kidding me? I've got a PhD from there. <laughs> but you know, we all have to go through it. You know, we, you know, we said, God, I, I, I see the dream. I see the big picture. I, I've even made the decision. I've taken the initial steps. And you're starting off in faith, and then, boom, you hit this delay. It's going to happen. Expect it. Noah waited 120 years for his dream. Abraham, 25 years for that son to be born. Moses, 40 years for the wilderness wanderings. David, years and years and years. I don't think the Bible tells us about how long it took him from the time he was anointed king till he actually was the sitting king. And Jesus had to wait like 30 years or so in order to get his dream accomplished. Of what? His dream was going to the cross and making salvation available to every one of you. Isn't that a good dream? Aren't you glad he had a dream like that? To make salvation available so we could live with him eternally in heaven? Even Jesus had to wait. Why does God make us wait, though? It teaches us to trust in his timing. A delay is not a denial. Now, we teach our kids that all the time. But we forget that we're who? God's kids. And God needs to teach us that. You know, sometimes our children will ask for some things and we'll say, not yet, not yet, not yet. A not yet is not a no. Okay? And we need to learn the difference between no and not yet, even when it comes to the dreams that God gives us. A common reaction in this phase is doubt. Hmm. Did God really put that on my heart? Is this dream really from God, or is this just something I made up? You doubt in this phase. How do you handle the waiting rooms of life? That's the question. And so, we have a dream. We have a decision to go for the dream. We have a delay in the dream. Don't worry, it gets worse. Then comes difficulty. Difficulty. There are two primary types of problems that you're going to face in life. Number one, circumstances, and number two, critics. Uh, Years ago, in the 80s, we decided to build a family life center. Uh, That monstrosity in the back that we use all the time. We used it even last night. And, And what a blessing it is and has become. But you know, when the leadership here approached the congregation initially and started preaching messages and started doing advanced gifts dinners and 
and talking to the people about the dream and the vision and what God's called us to and what we think we can accomplish through this. Most of the people got it, but you know what? There were a few critics that were against it. Can you imagine? And they said, if you build this, we're leaving. And I remember saying, oh, we're going to miss you. (laughs) And you know what's interesting? Some of those people did leave, but when it was all finished, some of those people came back. Isn't that interesting? Who will help me eat the gingerbread? Well, you're going to have your critics. And we weren't without problems. I mean, we had submitted an initial set of plans and... And the city would come in and say, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do it that way. You've got to do it this way. Oh, and by the way, there's a tax now because we've got to fund this, we've got to fund that, and so blah, 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 square feet. You owe this much money to the city before you can even get your conditional use permit. Really? We haven't even taken the collection up yet. And then, and then we had, I think I told you about one of the big buses there that goes from this end to that end of the gymnasium. Fell, bent in half. And the only place on the planet that makes that truss is on the other side. Where's east? That way. The other side of the Mississippi River. And so we were delayed months and months and months. And the bill, everything had to be on hold until that was done. Now, because we had critics and because we had problems, did that mean we were not in the will of God? Not at all. Moses was told by God, go out in the desert, head that direction. I mean, he's following God by what? A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. How could you be more in the will of God than following God out in the desert? But you know what? There's no water in the desert. There was no food in the desert. There's poisonous snakes in the desert. And you got a bunch of grumbling, complaining people in the desert. So was Moses out of the will of God because he was having problems? No. See, I think a lot of times we draw the conclusion, well, maybe I miss God. I mean, everything's going haywire here. It does not mean that you're not in the will of God when you're going through this delay phase or even the difficulty phase. Are you getting this? David was anointed king, but he was hunted down by Saul and forced to hide out in caves before he ever sat on the throne. Joseph had a dream of becoming a ruler, and he ends up in a pit, and then a slave, and then in prison, and then prime minister and ruler of the land. You see how that goes? Now, when he was in prison, he could have said, oh, I must have drawn the wrong conclusion. When he's in the pit, oh, what did I miss, God? When he's a slave, God, this ain't supposed to be happening. And I'm sure he had some doubts and some fears along the way, but he just kept on believing and God kept on blessing and he eventually got there. Joshua had this dream of leading this nation into the promised land. And the first battle he faces once they get across the Jordan River, which they crossed on dry land, by the way, was Jericho, a fortified city, and there were giants in the land. Why does God do this to us? (laughs) Why the difficulty, God? Because God is working on their faith 
and he's working on our faith. He's working on their character, and he's working on our character. Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter 6, 7. At the present, you may be temporarily, notice, temporarily harassed by what? All kinds of trials. That's what we're talking about. Trials, difficulties, problems. This is no accident. It happens to prove your, what's the next word? Faith. Six phases of faith. If you understand this concept, you'll be able to flow with it and go with it. Cooperate with it. So you got a dream, you got a decision, you got a delay, you got a difficulty. Don't worry, it gets worse. God's not done with you yet. Are you ready for five? Dead end. Ever come to a dead end in your life and just everything's screeching halt and you go, oh, what did I miss, God? God often leads or lets problems become impossibilities just before He opens the door. Are you with me? God will often let a problem become an impossibility before He opens the door. If you're at this stage, congratulations. You're in good company. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, and then we'll read 10 in a moment. At that time, we were completely overwhelmed. Anybody feeling completely overwhelmed this morning? The burden was more than we could bear. In fact, we told ourselves that this was the end. Talk about a dead end. Yet, we now believe that we had this sense of impending disaster so that we might learn to trust ourselves. No, not ourselves, but in God who can raise the dead. See, if God can raise people dead physically, then God can raise people who are dead spiritually, emotionally. God can raise a dead marriage. God can raise a dead career. And you fill in the blank. God can raise it. The disciples, they had this great plan. We're going to follow Jesus. He's going to set up his kingdom here on earth. And uh, I'm going to sit on the right, and James is going to sit on the left. And ooh, it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be fantastic. But they had no concept of Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And the next thing they know, Jesus is hanging on a cross. That cross for the twelve was their dead end. God will lead you to a dead end just before He opens the door. Are you getting this? Do you remember when Moses led the Exodus? God sent them to a little cul-de-sac right next to the Red Sea. You know what a cul-de-sac is? We lived on a cul-de-sac. 14618 Castana Avenue in Paramount, California. And cul-de-sacs are dead ends. We called it the circle. There's only one way in and one way out. That cul-de-sac that God sent Israel to 
The name of it was Bel Zephon. Do you know what Bel Zephon means? God's hidden secret. See, all Moses could see, and all the children of Israel could see, was the dead end. And here comes Pharaoh. Moses, one more time, has to face his greatest fear. What was his greatest fear? Pharaoh. Remember how he tried to get out of it in the burning bush? Oh, God, not me. I'm not the one. Don't call me. Here am I, send Aaron. You know, that was his message. But he went and blah, 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 blah. Long story short, the children of Israel, Oh, Moses, you brought us out in the wilderness to die? Great! One more time, God says, raise that staff, Moses. And he raises it. Man, boom, Red Sea parts. That was God's hidden secret. They didn't see it yet. What you need to know if you're at a dead end, you're at your Bel Zephon, God has a hidden secret that you don't see yet. And you're not going to see it until you take the step of faith. Tell the people to get going. You know, Moses says, okay, everyone, don't panic. God, God to get us out of this. Everyone stand still. And God looks down at Moses and says, don't tell them to stand still. I just opened the sea. Tell them to get going. So just keep moving in faith, okay? Just keep moving in faith. Don't stop moving in faith. And they cro- when the last Israelite got to the other side, Old Pharaoh's thinking, man, this is cool. We're going to catch them. We're going to catch them. And the chariots almost did catch them until God caused the wheels of the chariot to fall off. And now they're dragging. And now the army behind them gets all bogged down and slowed down. And now once the last Israelite safely on the other side, here comes the best part of that hidden secret. God says, once and for all, we're going to take care of Pharaoh. He'll never bother you again. Boom! The water comes in and they all drown. See, if God had revealed the hidden secret, it wouldn't have been hidden. And who knows, maybe there's spies in the land and they would have told Pharaoh about all that God was going to do and they never would have went into the water. That's not what God wants. God wants us to move in faith and keep moving in faith because the best part is, number six, phase six, dream, decision, delay, difficulty, dead end. Then comes the deliverance. Here it is deliverance. See, God knows where you are. God knows your Bill Zephon. God knows your dead end, but he's ready if you're not going to give up to open up the next step. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10. Remember, we just read 8 and 9. He said, we came to the end, but it was to teach us to trust. Now verse 10, he has delivered and he will deliver us again. And again, and again, and again, and again, if we just keep moving in faith. Are you seeing this? Noah's deliverance came through a flood. Abraham's deliverance came through the birth of a son. Joseph's deliverance came through the interpretation of a dream. Moses' deliverance came through the parting of the Red Sea. David's deliverance came through the death of King Saul. And Jesus' deliverance came in the form of a resurrection. So, what's your dead end this morning? What is your bell, Zephon? The best response to a dead end is to expect God to work. Well, how does that happen, Lord? According to your faith, 
it will be done unto you. It will be done unto you. How many want stronger faith? I saw a bunch of hands go up. Remember, between step one, the dream and the deliverance, there's going to be all these issues. Let's pray that God will give us the faith to go all the way through our Belzephon. Amen? Some of you are in phase one asking, what is the dream, God? What, what is the dream? God, maybe I don't have a dream. But if you don't have a dream, if God hadn't placed something heavy on your heart that seems to be an impossibility for you right now, would you start praying, God, give me your dream for my life. You need a dream. And then you move on to phase two. You got the dream from God, but you've not made a decision to go for it. God's word for you is go for it. Some of you need to make a decision. I mean, even today, some of you need to make a decision to be baptized or to join a church or to get involved in a ministry or to fulfill your mission in life. Some of you are in phase three this morning and and some of you are in that delay phase asking, did I miss it, God? Have I, have I, have I missed something? No, no, you're just in the delay phase. If your prayer hasn't been answered, it's okay. You're in the waiting room, if you will. You've been delayed by design. God's word to you is wait with patience and with faith. And then phase four, you're going through difficulties. You're being tested. And, and God hasn't forgotten you. He knows where you are. In phase five, you've come to a dead end and some of you are ready to give up. God's word for you is hang on. Don't give up. Keep on believing. Because phase six is right around the corner. And in phase six, God asks, Do you really, really expect me to deliver you? See, because God does what we expect. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. And so have faith. Deliverance is just around the corner. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Him being our bell, Zephon, and opening the door that we can have eternal life in heaven. Thank you for the way He builds faith in our lives. Now today, we trust in Him anew to fulfill the dream that He started in our lives maybe years ago. We look forward to heaven where faith will become sight. But until then, keep us in your watchful care. And if you don't know Him today, you can get to know Him today very, very simply through faith, repentance, and baptism. Father, we pray for everyone here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.